Hello, this is your host, Sunita Bagri. I am the founder of the Every Teacher Matters Project. Welcome to the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. Each podcast has a core focus around the well-being of our teachers, school leaders and educational staff. The Teach Well Alliance works proudly in partnership with the Every Teacher Matters Network to raise awareness of well-being and mental health for our teachers and school staff. We're so pleased that you're able to join us on today's podcast. Okay, I would like to introduce the listeners today to Steve Waters. So Steve Waters is, I had the pleasure of meeting Steve just over a year ago now. It does definitely feel much longer than that because very quickly we've established a very positive working relationship purely because the work that we both do is very, very aligned. We both feel very passionate about teacher well-being and mental health in schools. And it is our ambition and our purpose to serve our colleagues within education, whether that be head teachers, school leaders, or teachers, even support staff. You know, if you work in a school and you care about well-being, we just want you to know that Steve Waters and I care equally as much about staff well-being. We are really driven and determined to be able to keep our colleagues in the profession. And we both have our own personal st- stories and journeys as to why we do the work that we do. Steve Waters is the founder, the CEO and the director of the Teach Well Alliance. And the Teach Well Alliance does some phenomenal work in supporting schools. I know that even during this pandemic that Steve has been working very closely and I'm looking forward to him sharing and telling us all about the the, the gold award that he has given number of schools now that have supported their staff during this, this awful crisis. So Steve, welcome to today's podcast, which, you know, of course, you're a partner of the Every Teacher Matters Network. And I've wanted to, to get some time with you to be able to, to talk to you in this candid way so that you can share your why. So let's let's start really by very warmly welcoming you. And, and I'd really like to thank you for supporting me personally over the last year when I first invited you to be a guest speaker at the launch of the Every Teacher Matters Network, you know, your support has just gone over and above and beyond anything that I ever imagined, um, you know, of asking any of my guest speakers. So I would like to personally thank you for being so supportive and just giving me so much sort of opportunities to be able to work with you. It really has been an absolute privilege. So welcome to you, Steve. Okay, thank you, Sunita, and uh, thank you for those very appreciative uh, comments. Likewise, I find that we've been able to work together in a way that has um, supported collaboration and partnership and also complemented each other in terms of the strengths and the areas of development that we both have. Uh, So it's an absolute pleasure to be here this morning to talk to you. Thanks so much, Steve. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're definitely on the same wavelength. So, Steve, start by telling the listeners about why you do what you do. Like, what's your why? Everybody has a why, don't they? What's yours? So, my um, involvement in supporting staff wellbeing and mental health 
is partly a product of my own experiences when I was teaching and as a consultant in the local authority. And on, on, in both of those settings, I experienced um, quite severe mental ill health. And um, we don't have time to go into it now, but the long and short of it was that eventually I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which I had not recognised. Um, I had suffered from depression um, during uh, teaching several episodes, um, but until my mental ill health was um, investigated properly, I hadn't realised that I had a specific condition. So I've got experience of burnout and of both um, having to take time out of teaching, but also coming back from it. Um, and I'm pleased to say that due to some excellent care by the um, NHS, I haven't had a repeat episode since 2008. So, but I'm always conscious that when I see comments on Twitter and Facebook about some of the pressures that teachers are under, how how destructive it can be to your mental and physical health um, to suffer from burnout. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I do what I do. In addition to that, when I was teaching, I also um, qualified as a counsellor um, <clears throat> and my counselling skills although I don't at the moment have individual clients my counselling skills uh, have been instrumental in some of the strategies that I use to support schools and teachers. Yeah absolutely that and whenever we have um, a personal experience when we put that into the context of our own journey in life um, and when we were, we're able to link it to something that we care really deeply about, like the teaching profession, then it propels us, doesn't it? Becomes acts, acts like a catalyst to really uh, support those and recognise it. And I'm sure your counselling skills would have, would have absolutely served you in that way. Um, and when I had my coaching training, I remember throughout the whole, you know, intense period of training, I just kept thinking about my colleagues. I couldn't think about any any other industry apart from, wow, you know, this could really support recognising those signs, identifying them, and then being able to provide some strategies for care and, and support and essentially why it's so important. Um, and we both know, we both know those reasons because the profession is, is just so very challenging. So, if we talk about, I mean, obviously we are in the in the midst of a of a pandemic, and you've been doing this work for a number of years, way before the pandemic. And I, you know, I launched the Every Teacher Matters project before the pandemic as well. So it's I ironic because clearly, you know, our colleagues need our support more than ever right now. But um, if you think about just the general context of teaching, what would be the, the current issues that are troubling teachers? So we do have a crisis in the teaching profession. We have a crisis in retention. Um, a third of teachers leave within five years of training. And we've also, at the other end of the scale, we've got a, a problem with experienced teachers one, wanting to leave before, long before retirement age. Um, and 
the reasons for this crisis are almost exclusively, I find, to do with the mental health pressures of working as a teacher. Um, and those pressures come from, they start with the government who use Ofsted in an inspectorial role in schools. Um, then leaders in schools feel that they have to have um, a high sex accountability culture in order to raise standards and improve results. And that high stakes accountability culture leads to teachers being overmanaged, controlled and judged. That is, those are the three uh, experiences that teachers have. And it's not necessary. Um, there are wonderful schools out there. I've spoken about Three Bridges Primary School in Southall, London, before. Um, and and that's, that school is a prime example. Um, the head, Jeremy Hannay, does not um, conduct any high-stakes accountability measures. There are no learning walks. There are no observations, no book looks. What he does is he gives back control for professional development to the staff and he trusts the staff to do their job. Um, and although Jeremy is openly scathing about the impact of Offset, Offset were able to um, pass a judgment on his school of outstanding in all categories, despite no stake, high stakes accountability. He doesn't have retention problems. Staff want to stay at the school. He doesn't have recruitment problems. When there's a vacancy, he has 60 or 70 applications. Um, and so he's showing, as he says himself, that there is another way. Um, so that is where I focus my attention on whole school cultural change. Um, I, I could, but I don't work with individual teachers i help the school to change its culture and if you change the school culture so that teachers and uh, support workers in fact ev every member of staff within the school their mental health is a priority if you change that culture then remarkable things happen yeah. um, and you don't need to enforce judgments in order to make them happen yeah absolutely uh, and those factors that you just mentioned there, we know they're real, really troubling issues because you and I both, you know, during half term last week, we took a number of calls, didn't we, from troubled teachers who were being bullied. Now, because you've just raised that and the impact, I, I would like to ask you just a little bit more about the support that's available for teachers that are experiencing bullying, because I know that you've done a lot of work around this and I've, you know, again, privileged to be able to support you in the work that we're going to continue doing with teachers and have already started. So I've spoken to a number of teachers um, about the, the impact bullying has had. I took a very disturbing phone call from a husband of a teacher last week who just didn't know how he could 
bear seeing his wife in in this way and he's not the first I've I've had you know other conversations like that where you know husbands or wives of teachers have been so disturbed because they simply cannot bear seeing their spouse in in this way or with this ordeal so you know um the advice always is to go to your union now we've both had varying feedback from teachers around the support that they've received from their unions which I know is another factor in um, you taking this other sort of step in the direction of providing something very dynamic and something very very different and unique in a proposal and a proposition that can really make a difference if a teacher is being bullied would you please just share what that what that looks like at the moment for, for teachers that are in that position? Bullying and harassment are unacceptable. Um, they destroy teachers, they destroy their confidence, their self-belief, and they can destroy the relationships that teacher has with their families um, because they burn out um, they suffer from anxiety and depression and then and then they're unable to function in terms of the relationships that they have so this is not only a an individual issue it's a whole school issue if one teacher is bullied it's highly likely that other teachers will be being bullied in in the school um, so you're right that the unions do provide a service, but in my experience, uh, and I'm a, an advocate of the unions, um, I was a union rep myself in school when I was teaching, but the problem is that there are so many people now that are suffering from mental ill health that the unions are unable to cope with the demand and the variation between one union representative in an area and another is huge. Um, so as you say, there is, there is, um, there are some union representatives that have done a really good job and supported the, the, the teachers. There are, who are suffering. There are also some union reps who, to be quite honest, the teachers have found them pretty ineffective. So bearing that in mind, um, I uh, established a relationship with a firm of solicitors who specialise in employment law. Um, and we have come to an agreement uh, for a, a kind of a, a whole service for teachers who are being bullied or harassed. Um, and this involves the solicitors taking on the case on a no-win, no-fee basis, so there's no financial risk to the teacher. And we supplement it with well-being coaching, which supports the teacher while they are going through the legal process, because the legal process itself can be um, demanding, and stressful um, and our aim is not 
only to get financial compensation for the teacher who has been bullied, which of course is important, but to ensure that when that process is completed, they're not disadvantaged by, for example, being threatened that the person who's been bullying them will contact uh, a school in the future verbally to prevent them getting another job, which unfortunately is something that, that occurs quite frequently. And that the school, the leadership, take responsibility for what they have done. And that might include, and usually does, the governing body. Either the governing body is complicit in what has gone on, or they know nothing about it. And so, uh, you know, my job is not to apportion blame, it's to support the individual teacher. So we've had, uh, you know, we've had some in interest um, from members of staff who, as you say, contacted, uh, have contacted me and contacted you over the half term. So I'm hoping that this will provide um, a new avenue for teachers who are being bullied um, and that it not only will support them legally but also um, support them uh, in terms of their mental health and increase their confidence and self-belief. Um, we can't afford teachers to leave the profession because they are being bullied. It's unacceptable. Yeah. Um, and there are many reasons why leaders bully. Uh, I, I say leaders. There are instances of bullying by other staff who are not leaders and who are colleagues, but they are very infrequent compared to anecdotal evidence on Twitter, for example, of staff who have been bullied by leaders. Yeah. Um, and, and so my line on it is that I'm not interested why someone has, is being, uh, sorry, why someone is bullying because my interest is on the target of the bullying. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, in some cases, as a result of this process, the leader will be exposed as a bully and perhaps organisations like governing bodies or the local authority will take action as a result of in an individual teacher being, you know, winning their case and being supportive. Yeah, absolutely. It's high time. It's, I mean, the, the profession cannot afford to lose professionals. It just, you know, it cannot afford where we are in the middle of a, you know, a retention crisis. This, again goes back to the work that you do with schools and head teachers around implementing a culture of well-being and you know it, it it just goes in this ironic way that you know we have such a strong culture of toxic schools and that you know that that term is just used so frequently these days about you know my, I mean, the call I took last week was, oh, it's just toxic. You know, this culture that my wife is working in is toxic. And, you know, I've worked in many schools myself and I've, I've experienced it and I, I've seen it too. And it's at high time that actually we give the power back to, to the teachers who are not being done to and have 
the power to be able to stand up to it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm really, really um, delighted to be supporting you with this. So, Steve, we've talked about, you know, we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum now. Let, let's, let's go back on a high note and share with us, please, share with the listeners, because I know and I'm really excited about your book that will be published next March, which um, is going to showcase the um, fabulous work around, you know, well-being that is going on in schools. And those schools are really getting it right and actually really, you know, doing us proud. Share with us, please, the listeners, what some of those snippets of best practice are. Yeah, so the book is, it um, looks at cultures of staff, well-being and mental health. Um, and, and there are 32 schools in the book, ranging from primary schools to special schools to pros to independent schools there's an international school in that in that um, group so um the schools that, that i've selected or at least selected themselves when i asked if anyone was willing to write a case study of their of how they implemented well-being and mental health in their school um <laughs> The common element is that their head teachers recognised that you have to have well staff, both physically and mentally, to be able to teach effectively and support the children. If you are mentally unwell, there is no chance of you teaching consistently, effectively, nor supporting the children. So they all put as a very high priority their staff well-being and mental health. Um, a lot of the schools that are featured in the book also um, apply. I, I ran a free um, accreditation process where schools could get awarded the Teach Well uh, School Gold Award for looking after their staff in the middle of the pandemic. A lot of those schools in the book are schools that that won that award. Um, so what we have is, a, is schools that started well-being, mental health before the pandemic, but as a result of implementing the culture throughout the school, their staff have been able to cope far better with the pandemic. Um, and conversely, of course, schools that haven't their staff are really struggling because the pandemic is yet another stress on top of what they are already experiencing. And unfortunately, I'm still seeing on Twitter staff saying, um, I'm having an observation next week. This is the second one this term already. Is this acceptable? And in my view, it isn't acceptable that the, the element, the key element at the moment is looking after your staff physically and mentally during this pandemic, nothing else matters um, because if they are um, if they're okay, the, the the pupils are okay. So some common features. Um, so overall, staff well-being, mental health is a priority. Um, creating the role of well-being lead is critical in in a number of schools, so that it doesn't fall on the leadership to drive this culture. It falls on a member of staff who's been given that role. Creating a school 
a staff wellbeing group that works cross-curricular, made up of usually volunteers, is also an important part of developing that culture so that the group can take comments from staff who might raise issues and look at those comments and see how they can suggest a way forward to improve staff wellbeing. Um, also, some of the schools are working in conjunction with pupils. So um, one of the uh, services that I provide is to train pupils to be student wellbeing and mental health ambassadors, where they support the pupils so that pupils can go to them for help if they are struggling. And the most effective schools link pupil wellbeing with staff wellbeing and use leadership strengths within the pupils to support the culture, the whole school culture. Also, the concept of community. Schools that are strong in mental health and well-being for staff have a strong community, a supportive community. And the very best examples are schools that where the head, the leader of the school, is authentic and open about the support that they need. Um, so I'll give you an example. A head um, in the south of England, he, um, last Christmas, he took time out for himself, so he didn't do any schoolwork. Um, and, but what he, what he found was that he was sitting for long periods watching box sets and just relaxing, which was fine. But unfortunately, that led to him putting on weight during the holidays. Um, and so when he returned, he said to the staff, you know, I've been a couch potato. I've been really relaxed um, and I've enjoyed relaxing. But unfortunately, I've put on too much weight. So what I, I need your help to lose that weight. And so what I'd like you to do is to watch, watch out for me on corridors around the school. And if you see me with a chocolate bar in my hand or a biscuit, I want you just to come and take it out of my hand and get rid of it. Mm. Um, so, and, and that's just an example of the way that when he is, is stressed and needs help, he asks the staff for, for that help. So that an NQT, for example, could offer support to the head teacher rather than it being a hierarchical structure where the leader has to take care of SLT who take care of middle leaders who take care of. So it becomes a community and a community in which anyone can get support without feeling that somebody's going to judge them. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's setting himself as a model for the kind of support that staff should be asking each other for. Yeah, and it always starts at the top, doesn't it? absolutely yeah, sure. you've got to lead by example I love that I love that and, and it certainly resonates with them um, you know the way that I like to lead my schools when I was in that role 
And it's about being authentic and being vulnerable, isn't it? It is. And that's how you develop those relationships. So thank you. That, there's some wonderful examples there that I know the listeners will be learning and taking away from. And it's more important time than ever for, for them to be able to implement that culture right now. So on a final note then, Steve, if you were working with a teacher right now, or if you, you know, a teacher calls you and is really struggling with their mental health, what advice would you give in terms of supporting their well-being right now? One of the six factors that Christina Maslak identifies as leading to burnout is um, lack of control. So Christina Maslak has been working on um, burnout, occupational burnout, since the 1970s, and she's a world authority on it. Um, it still surprises me that the education system, usually in this country, she's an American, doesn't know who Christina Maslak is. So my kind of goal is to introduce her to everybody because she's so important in terms of staff mental health. So <clears throat> lack of control where teachers are, are micromanaged um, leads to... Um, a diminishing of professional responsibility and autonomy. So the individual teacher, I start by asking them to write, to make a list of features of their jobs that they are in control of, and features of their job that they're not in control of, and then the third column is about can they change things that they're not in control of to make it possible to be more in control of them. And at the end of that exercise, they should be able to see that some of the things that are out of their control that they can't influence are going to diminish their capacity for coping if they try and get control back in those areas. So what you want to do is to ensure that the areas that they are in control of or can be better in control of are the focus of their attention. And this is usually a useful exercise because you can spend an inordinate amount of time trying to change something that you can't change. And this exercise also leads on to um, toxic schools because if a member of staff has a, has a very small list of things that they're in control of professionally, then it might indicate that they've been uh, overmanaged and that they're in a high-stakes accountability environment. So the next step is to ask themselves questions about the work environment and if you're in a toxic school there are only three steps you can take you can either change yourself change the school or leave those are the only three choices and if it's impossible to change yourself to get back control of those things that you're not in control of then you're either going to have to change the school, which is usually impossible, or leave, 
and work in another, in another school. Um, and there's um, a wonderful teacher called Victoria Hewitt, who's written a book called Making It as a Teacher, um, focusing on the first five years. And she um, almost left teaching. She had a breakdown in front of a class in her previous school. Um, and someone said to her, well, you know, I understand how you feel. It must be dreadful, but why don't you try one more school before you leave teaching? And so she looked for a school that had positive comments from staff on um, Twitter and Facebook, but also did some investigation into the school um, talked to members of staff. And then she ended up working there and has not looked back since. She has had problems, she, as she would admit, um, occasionally with um, increased workload and coping with it. But the school have a totally different attitude towards that and support her whenever she needs support. And now she's loving her teaching and is running the humanities department. So uh, th that's something that I would advocate teachers, you know, have as a mantra. If they're in a toxic school, then just one more school would be my advice. And the longer that you leave not dealing with a toxic environment, the longer that you stay in it, the more difficult it becomes to move on. So although it might seem, um, you know, a jump in the dark, there's nothing more important than your mental health, nothing. Um, and you could, in the current environment, un unfortunately, in one sense, in the current environment, if you leave a school, then there are many schools that are looking for supply teachers to cover for teachers who have to isolate or who are vulnerable people at home. And supply teaching does give you the benefit of leaving at 3.15 or whenever the school closes. Uh, for teaching um, and it also gives you the benefit of being able to experience different kinds of school and there will be amongst the schools you work in a school that you're very happy to teach in and being on supply sometimes then leads to short-term contracts which lead to long-term contracts so I that you know, my message is that while, of course, being financially um, secure is important, if you balance that against your mental health, then it's not important. Because if you continue and your mental health suffers and becomes all encompassing, uh, and you you feel that you can't recover from it in the short term, you could be absent from teaching for a very long time. Yes. Um, so um, in, in addition to moving, you also need to consider getting some talking help in order to deal with the trauma of what has happened to you because people who've been bullied in school often have equivalent responses to PTSD 
yeah. post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, a really good place to look for support is the um, charity education support. And they have a 24-hour helpline right throughout the year staffed by counsellors. Um, and they can also provide longer-term counselling um, for free. Uh, so I'll just mention their number because it, it, it is important that teachers realise there is this yes. support out there. And it's 08000 562 561. So that's 08000-562-561. Thank you, Stephen. I am an associate for education support, so I'm glad that you mentioned that too, because, yes, there's some really important work that's going on there. And, um, yeah, it's a service that's available to all, so do tap into it. Steve, I find the whole concept of burnout just so fascinating. And I, too, in the well-being work, uh, whenever I have an opportunity to, to train, then I always introduce Christina Maslick's um, six phases be, since you introduced it to me. And I only wish I knew about it sooner. Personally, it would have um, aided some very difficult periods in my own uh, professional life if I had known about that sooner so yeah I'm absolutely with you there to understand that you know the, the different phases of burnout and actually the impact of those because when you're in a in a difficult position professionally you you can take it really personally and I think that can be further detrimental to your mental health so there's a lot of power in that in in those phases and understanding it so yeah I would I would ask the listeners I would urge the listeners to to definitely look at that and I know that um there is a a, a plethora of information on Steve's website on the Teachwell Alliance website so do have a look there's a, a lot of work uh, and support in terms of the burnout and understanding that further if you're interested Steve, we speak on a regular basis. We speak, um, if it's only once a week, that's probably, you know, uh, not happened, has it? We speak so often. We're in almost daily contact. But I have to say, speaking, every time I do speak with you, probably because we are so well aligned, it really does, I find it very cathartic. This conversation has been a great example of the, the typical conversations that you and I have. I hope that the listeners have, gained from it I hope I well I know that they will have I hope that they know that the work that you do is there to support the profession as a whole it's really important work and if they would like to find out more then I would encourage you again to visit the Teachwell Alliance website thank you Steve so much for taking the time out this morning to have a candid conversation with us and to educate the listeners about the important work that you do so thank you very much you're more than welcome Sunita Thank you. I do hope you enjoyed listening to today's Every Teacher Matters conversation. It is our mission to be the voice of our amazing school staff. You can find out more by visiting everyteachermattersproject.com or contacting me directly at contact at Thanks for listening.